0: Again, why did I ever think this was a good idea? Welcome to the Rise and Run podcast. Join our group of Run Disney friends as we talk about running at Walt Disney World and beyond. We'll discuss recent runs, training, upcoming races, and surprise topics suggested by you, our listeners. Well, the alarm's gone off, so let's go.
1: Greetings, my friends. Greetings and welcome. Welcome back to the Rise and Run podcast, episode 35. I'm Bob. I'm here this evening with Allie. Hi. With Greg. Hey, hey, hey. With John. How you doing? And with Jack. Hi. Hi, you guys. It's good to see you. Let's see who's missing tonight. Uh, Alicia's not with us. And the birthday girl's not here. Today is Lexi's birthday. Happy birthday, Lexi. It won't be Lexi's birthday when this airs, but it is when we're recording it. So we hope she's out having a good time. All right, gang, let's, uh, let's see what we got going. We got a very interesting interview for you this week. I really encourage you to hang around. I think you're going to learn something. And I think you're going to enjoy listening to Greg Patterson, the general manager from Pheidippides. Jeff Galloway's running store in Atlanta. Greg is an expert on shoes and just really entertaining to listen to. So hang on for that. That'll be coming up later in the show. But let's kick it off as we usually do. As I turn to John and say, hey, John, any new reviews this week? Yes, we do. We
2: have a couple of new reviews. All right. From Jen Lynn W. Love this podcast. This is a must listen to anyone even slightly interested in run Disney. I started listening a few weeks before Marathon Weekend, and it helped me feel prepared for my race. Good. I I keep listening because they have great topics and energy and guests. Well,
1: that's terrific. Thank you so very much. We appreciate that. We're
2: glad you feel that way. You said you had another one, John? Yes. uh, Tutus and track shoes. My new run Disney friends. I love this podcast. As a slow but steady back-of-the-pack run Disney walker, I don't always connect with running podcasts. The Rise and Run crew are different. They're fun, easy to listen to, informative, and love run Disney. Whether you walk, run, skip, or frolic, if you love run Disney or consider doing a Disney race, give these guys a listen. You you got that right, two twos and track
1: shoes, or if I might just call you two, would that be no, that's not too forward? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, we, we've got the field covered pretty well, and we got middle back covered pretty well, and we got walking covered pretty well, too. So, yeah, we're glad you found a home here. We're glad you're with us. Hey, gang, I had an interesting weekend. I saw some of our friends this weekend. I traveled about 30 minutes north of here to Safety Harbor, Florida, and I saw our friends Dean and Judy finish the Best Damn Race Leftover 5K in Safety Harbor. Now... Another friend was there, Jennifer, I missed her somehow. I don't know how, but I did. I'm sorry, Jennifer, I was looking for you, but uh, you must have been too fast for me. I got, it was raining that morning. It was a light drizzle, decent weather for running, but if you ran in it for 30 minutes or so, I think you got pretty well soaked and your shoes started getting wet and it started getting miserable. So I think Jennifer finished and just wanted to get the heck out of there. I don't blame her for that. Uh, Jennifer, I look forward to seeing you at a future Disney race, but I did see Dean and Judy. It was good to see them. And then I am happy to report. If you recall last week's show, when we talked to Adam and Jamie, who finished the hundred mile run down in the Florida Keys, I, I still get tired just saying that anyway, I am happy to report that Adam is able to stand upright, walk talk and stroll through st petersburg florida with uh, his wife jennifer and my wife becky as we visited a uh, well-known barbecue joint right across the street from tropicana field and then a couple of breweries there in st pete so that was a good weekend for me i enjoyed that always enjoy seeing the rise and run podcast or just the run disney family in general gang we got news about princess this week, didn't we?
3: We sure did.
1: Well, who wants to spill? Who wants to? Who wants to talk about it? We've got themes. We've got princesses involved. Where do we start?
4: Okay, can we just talk about the princesses just in general, really quick?
1: Yeah, go ahead,
4: Allie. Okay, so we have a group messenger, and when we saw it come out, she made a very valid point, and I want her to talk about it. But I'm just going to say blankly what it is, and I want your opinion. But Why is it the same
3: characters again? Like, they're not being new. It seems to be a repeat of um, a lot of the same characters year after year. I think it's, if we don't count the virtual races, which we should, you know, they did happen. And there there were medals that came out. But I didn't attend any of the virtual races. So for me, it was a repeat of the last three races with... Moana has been on the last three races and Cindy's been on the last three races. So I have quite a few shirts with both of them already. And I am planning to sign up for Princess again and I will have another couple shirts. Okay. With them. And then Jasmine was from 2019, I think. So that's also a repeat with so many princesses. Why repeat the same ones over and over and over?
4: But, like, you would think that they would do something like, you, you brought up a good point. Like, I wonder if it's all just inducted princesses, because I know you really wanted Vanellope. Yeah. Because she's technically <laughs> she a princess. Yeah. She is.
0: I have to say this on behalf of my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Why does Ariel get no love?
3: Right? None. Okay. No. I mean, so, so,
0: and granted, and, and, and this is a big shout out to my wife, The Little Mermaid is her favorite movie. But when she goes and purchases merchandise from the Little Mermaid or Ariel, she is very particular because she only wants like OG Ariel, you know, with a, you know, mm. a, a tail and everything like that. So she has regular Ariel and then what she calls legs Ariel. And she even <laughs> told me today she would take a legs Ariel representation in the Princess Weekend. Just to get something, so I, I I don't know what it is that Run Disney has against Ariel and you know some of the other princesses that have not been featured, but I, I think we need to start a petition that at least for 2024, let's let's give Ariel some love, please.
3: Well, she has to be legs, Ariel, because she needs to have running shoes on.
0: Oh, there Touché. you go, touche,
2: <laughs> or we got to have Ariel do the triathlon at Disney. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: I don't, John. I don't think they want to do a triathlon in the Seven Seas Lagoon.
3: Uh. <laughs> so, who has the um, the themes for this year in front of them that can tell everybody what the themes are if they, you know, live on under a rock and haven't seen it themselves by now by by Thursday?
0: Number one, we should mention that the sunrise yoga uh, event is back, but obviously that is not tied to any particular princess or whatnot. Um, but the five k. The theme is Jasmine from Aladdin. The 10K is Belle from Beauty and the Beast. The half marathon, as we mentioned before, is Moana. And then the challenge uh, this year is represented by Cinderella, which again has been featured multiple times over the last couple of years. Now, that being said, while I know that there is some frustration in terms of princesses getting rehashed over and over the bright spot that I love about this theme is the Mary Blair type style of the artwork. I think it's very, very unique. Uh, I love the homage to, you know, a true Disney legend. And I'm gonna be very, very intrigued to see what these race shirts and the medals look like. I did see positive
1: comments on that too. Yeah, saw them on Facebook.
3: I have a question for you, gang. If you could put any princess on there, um, whether it's an official Disney princess or it's just a princess that's in a Disney movie, what princess would you put on the princess medals?
4: I wish mine was a princess, but I don't know if she would not count, but I think Megara would be an awesome medal
3: (laughs) or Hercules theme. So Megara, I don't know if she's a princess in the movie, but in Greek mythology, she's a princess. So I think that. Counts. Thank you, thank you. Because guess
4: what? You can go the distance with that. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good running one.
1: I've got it. See, I'm out of my league here. I must admit. I've got Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella, Snow White, and then I'm out of here. <laughs>
3: well, Snow White hasn't really been on one of the medals recently. I think more than more than five years since she's she's been on a medal. So I, I'd say Snow White's a really good one.
4: She was on the 2018 medal because that was my first ever half marathon. I will never forget that race.
1: <laughs> but I'd be hard-pressed after that to name another Disney princess. That's just because...
3: Rapunzel! Yeah, Rapunzel, Where I looked it up. Let's see. The last time uh, Rapun- Rapunzel was on it was uh, 2018 as well. She was a 5K. And that was the first year that they started actually putting princesses on the medals. Previous to that, they were kind of just generic... Like print, I don't know. Yeah, like overall Tiara themed. Yeah, exactly. Um, John, I think I know what yours might be.
2: Uh, Princess Leia and Chewbacca.
0: Yeah. 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 (laughs) I like like that, yeah.
3: What about you, Greg? What do you got in mind?
0: So with mine, uh, my head went to, because again, having a a four-year-old at home, um, Raya from Raya and the Last Dragon, because her father is the leader of heart so i guess in theory that would make her the princess of heart but but again raya is being featured on this year's 10k at wine and dine so maybe that's why they didn't include her i will say this even though she is not a princess by any means whatsoever i am beyond shocked that run disney didn't figure out a way to include mirabelle from encanto into princess (gasps) weekend because I thought they would have been all over down the ground. Maybe they're saving that for springtime surprise or something like that. I I figured they just wanted to build off the momentum of that. So I was, I was literally floored when when I didn't see that.
3: Mine's a little bit of a stretch. I, I really love the movie Robin hood and I know Maid Marian (gasps) isn't called a princess, but she is the niece of a King. So she's technically a princess as well. (laughs) And I think a Maid Marian medal would be super cool. Um, That's like super creative. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and if and if they had like some sidekick ones or some like off character ones, I think I would love to see like a like a daughters of Triton one or (gasps) um or like I know that the Lion King is kind of doesn't really have a princess in it, but Lion King two does, right? Lion King two they have a baby, so that would be kind of cool. Just some like off princesses, I feel like would make people like geek out a little bit more.
1: Gang, if you could design your own race, your own race medal, what would it be? And I don't want you to answer now. In fact, I think what I'll do is put that up as a question on the Facebook group and see what kind of input we get from the crowd. And then maybe in a week or two, we'll talk about it ourselves. I really appreciate it. Just changing subjects a little bit. I really appreciate it. The way the rise and run Facebook community is growing, uh, I see w- we don't have huge numbers in that group yet. And That's okay, but the folks we have are loyal, and I I love, I love reading the input that we're getting and the sense of community that I'm seeing in the page. It means a lot to all of us. We appreciate it. Upcoming shows. <laughs> all right, let's take a look at upcoming shows. Uh, the big one I want to talk about is three weeks from today. Three weeks from today, Jeff Galloway will be with us. Now, we're still running the thread. Uh, questions for America's running coach. If you got a question for Jeff, please let us know. Let's move on. I told you at the beginning we got a really entertaining interview. It was about, oh, golly, six weeks ago, I guess. I have joined Club Jeff. Uh, If you want to know more about Club Jeff, it's on jeffgalloway.com. I think it's worthwhile because every uh, two or three months, I get some small group access on Zoom with Jeff himself. And he'll give you all the time that you want on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. But one of the things that he did, oh gosh, I guess, let's see, this is early June. It might have been late April is he had his shoe consultant on, Greg Patterson. And he advertised this. And at the time, I wasn't running at all. In fact, I I was still in a boot and everything else. And uh, I wasn't in the market for shoes, but I showed up anyway. Well, I showed up and on the Zoom call was Jeff Galloway, Greg Patterson, another one of Jeff's assistants whose name I can't remember, I'm sorry, and me. (laughs) So you talk about small group access with Jeff. Uh, We talked for a while, and then I just discussed shoes in general with Jeff, and he was so daggum entertaining and so knowledgeable and so much fun to talk with. I thought, this guy's perfect for the Rise and Run podcast. And so we are honored and privileged to have him with us tonight. Greg, great to see you again. Thanks so much for taking this time and joining us we appreciate it
5: Bob you know it's my absolute pleasure thanks for having me
1: uh, I've, I've been looking forward to this for a couple of weeks buddy I enjoyed talking with you oh golly was it six weeks ago and uh, I've been I've been looking forward to this let me kick it off Greg first of all let me introduce Greg Greg is the general manager at FidiPides, Jeff's shoe store in Atlanta and he's also the chief shoe fitting consultant there Greg would that be accurate yeah, that's great. That's a that would be the right title. Greg, let's let's talk about something that's near and dear to my heart, especially when talking to uh, new runners or, or folks going to new distances. Is the value of a professional fitting, and what's involved in that?
5: Well, that that's a, that's a great question. You know, um, when somebody's going to put on a shoe, the most important thing has got to be the fit. So, it's not just what kind of shoe you're putting on. So, we always start off by saying, you know, it's the time of day that you're going to try your shoes on. It's what socks you're wearing. Because at the end of the day, your feet could be swollen. Um, if you're going to be wearing some thin cotton socks, which we never recommend that you go running in, um, it might not be the same as your running sock, which might be thicker. So, you know, we want you to come in and put a shoe on and show you how it should fit number one, which would be, say, a thumbs width at the end of your of your toe you know towards the end of the shoe and um, making sure that you've got enough room in the toe box that it's snug in the heel and things that people don't understand or realize is that most people have one foot which is slightly larger than the other so we want to fit the larger shoe and uh, the larger foot should I say so there's a lot of things that go into it and then we'll do a gait analysis and um, <clears throat> that is where we're actually going to tell the runner, the customer, whether they actually pronate or supinate. And what that really means in runner's terms are, is if you pronate, which most runners do, or it says, say, but if you overpronate, we might need some assistance um, to bring your foot back into the right position to push off. And that is where the ankle bone rolls inwards. You might see this, even if you take your shoe off sometimes, it looks like it's leaning over by itself. Ah. So that's pronation. And uh, supination, which is like very, very few people, that's like where you're getting a lot of pressure where your pinky toe is. So people that run, they might be getting that pressure because they're crossing over when they're running. Their one foot's like running on a straight line, if you will. Um, Or they just supinate, meaning they land on the outside. So we can tell a customer what sort of shoe they need based on the gait analysis that we do for them.
1: What will a pair of old shoes show you?
5: Well, that's another great question, because if you come in in a shoe that you've been walking around in, it's not really going to tell us how you run. Because whether you know it or not, nobody can walk without heel striking, but a lot of people run, and there might be a midfoot striker or a forefoot striker, and we need to see your running shoe in order to tell you how you run. But To answer your question, most times people do come in with their running shoes. And by looking at the wear on the bottom of the shoe, we can actually tell you exactly how you're pushing off because that's where it's wearing. So with pronation, you might find a lot of wear closer to the big toe. But if you're running neutral, normal, you're going to see wear sort of across the middle of the bottom of the shoe. Um, And if you were supinating, remember just a few people do that, you'd see where on the outside of the shoe where the pinky toe is.
1: All right. So it can give you some clues if we bring our running shoes, not something we just happen to be walking around in.
0: Okay. So I think that actually segues nicely into Mark's question, you know, about that initial, you know, walking into the store, you know, getting that advice. He asks, when you're testing a running shoe at the store, are there any immediate indicators that you found that a shoe will work well just by, you know, walking on the treadmill for a little bit or running on the treadmill and actually not getting the full legitimate run in?
5: Yeah, th- there is. You know, um, oftentimes at Ferdipodes we might even say to a customer, Look, we don't think we have the shoe here for you because we didn't get the oh yeah, this is it. You'll know when you have that right shoe on. But with regard to whether it's going to work for your gait, we can tell. But we don't use a treadmill. Um, Now, I know a lot of stores do, and we're not saying the only way to do it is the way we do it. But Jeff is adamant about this. We've done the testing. And we also want to see what happens at push-off. So we watch someone run away so we can see what's happening with the ankle from behind, whether you're pronating, supinating, or neutral. And then, when you come back towards us, we can actually see your push off, whether that shoe is actually bringing you into the correct position for push off. So, sometimes you can get a shoe that's a pronation control shoe or a stability control shoe. And in two different brands, one might work better than the other because of the technology used on that particular shoe.
3: Gretchen asks, um, if you need a particular type of shoe, like what you're talking about, in different brands, um, what's the best way of finding that type of shoe in each brand just so that they can narrow it down and not waste the salesperson's time? Is it just you'll know and you'll bring out every brand or um, is there something else? A, that- a, great,
5: a great question. And first of all, we have to start off by just telling Gretchen that there's no such thing as wasting the salesperson's time because that's their job. Um, Good answer. In fact, If you need to try every shoe on in the store to find the right shoe, then that's what should happen. But to answer the question, initially, and I believe Sally had a question of how often should you get fitted as well. I remember that one. So right at the beginning of your walking career, running career, if you're just embarking, you're going to go to a store and you want to get fitted. You want to find out what type of shoe you need. Now you know that I need a stability control shoe or I need a neutral shoe. And I'll quickly just touch on what that means. Now, a neutral shoe has the same sort of consistency of foam all the way around from the inside and the outside of the shoe. It's soft on, it's the same consistency of plushness or softness. Whereas a stability shoe on the inside of the shoe, which we call the medial side, sometimes they have What we call a post is harder material to prevent the shoe from collapsing in. It won't allow your ankle to drop in. So that's called a post. But some shoes have guide rails. So these are all shoes that help with stability, um, help prevent too much pronation. So a shoe with a post, for example, might feel a little stiffer than a shoe with guide rails. Um, Because guide rails, for example, if you think about, The bump is at a bowling alley. If you were to bowl a ball, if it hits the bump, it's going to come back. That's how guide rails operate on a shoe. So it's not as aggressive. It's a little softer, but both would work for somebody who's overpronating. So now we just want to ask the customer, I mean, the the salesperson to bring out pronation control shoes.
1: Is there a risk involved with folks, let's say, who uh, get a control shoe, but don't need it or vice versa? who
5: do need it and get a, a neutral shoe? That's a tough one. You know, I, if I use my son as an example, he's an overpronator. He ran in high school. He was then a one runner for quite some time. Uh, he went off and ran in college and he overpronates like you cannot believe. But he was always running in a neutral shoe. When I tried to put him in a shoe to help support, um, he started complaining about aches and pains. So it doesn't mean just because you pronate or overpronate that you should get or you have to get a shoe, you can, and it will help put you in the right position of push-off. But if you do get a shoe that gives you a lot of support, I won't throw out brands and names now, but then you also, let's say you've got plantar fasciitis and your podiatrist says you've got to get the Superfeet green. Now, if you go and get that insert and you put that into a maximum stability shoe, a very aggressive shoe, it could overcorrect you. And it could put more pressure on the outside of the shoe, and it can cause some problems, slight injuries. But you should feel these little niggles before they become injuries and just know to take it out.
3: Is that the same thing if you get an orthotic from your doctor? Um, You want to be in maybe a neutral shoe? Because I have... Um, over pronation as well too. And that's corrected with my orthotic.
5: hundred percent. Yes. So first of all, let's just explain the difference between an, an insert and an orthotic. An orthotic is something that you're going to get from your podiatrist, your foot doctor, and they are either going to build it up or something. It's going to be a structured, it's going to be hard. It's going to keep its shape. And sometimes an orthotic will not fit in all shoes. So when shoes are made, You know, they're made with the toe box and the heel and the heel counter and the tongue. And if we look at the anatomy of a shoe, if it doesn't have a high midfoot volume where the laces are, if it doesn't have enough space there or the toe box is pretty low, it's not going to accommodate an orthotic, but it might accommodate certain inserts. So it is important to make sure that you put your orthotic in a neutral shoe and one that has enough room to accommodate it.
4: I already know you kind of answered what was going to be my question. So I'm going to go ahead and ask a question from Jessica. She asks, do trail shoes have different lifespan from road shoes? And what is a good indicator?
5: They have a much harder outsole than a road shoe will have. Now, on a trail shoe, you also get different types of outsoles depending on what sort of terrain you're going to be running on. And I'll use the word vibram because vibram is like, the one brand of outsole that everybody's going to use if they're not going to be on a, a rocky, sticky, wet surface because it's got the most grip. So that shoe is going to it's going to help on those on, on on those surfaces, but it's not necessarily going to prolong the lifespan of the shoe. Now remember the foam of the shoe that's compacting with every single step you take, and you're going to get normal lifespan out of a trail shoe, the same as what you will on a road shoe, except it's going to be a little bit more comfortable because you take the ground and the shoe into consideration when you talk about the firmness and the compactness. So your bones and your your, your, your muscles are going to feel better, but the lifespan of the shoe is not necessarily going to be extended.
1: Before. While we're on that topic, in general, is there a number of miles we can expect to get out of a good pair of running shoes?
5: Yeah. That is a, a great question. And you know, every manufacturer is going to come back and give you a different answer. But we give you a range, for example, you get an everyday shoe, you get a lightweight shoe, and you get a racing shoe. Now, the shoes that most of us want to wear for our daily runs and for new runners and walkers and that, they're going to wear an everyday shoe, and that's 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 your ghosts and your cumulus and your wave rider and your Cliftons. Those shoes are what we call your everyday shoes. They should last somewhere between 350 to 500 miles. Oh, wow. Why the difference? Well, it's stature. So let's say I weigh 160 pounds, but I'm also running on crush loop. Someone else is weighing 250 pounds running only on asphalt. I'm going to get more life out of my shoe.
1: Roger that. I understand that. You know, you know how I know I need new shoes, Greg? And I keep track. I keep track to the mile. I know how I need new shoes when I'll come in and I'll say something to my wife. i say, oh, you know, my, my needs a little sore. She'll say, how old are your
5: shoes? Every time. And every, every time. time she's right on. Yeah. Well, while talking about that, you can extend the life of your shoe. And I think there was a question where somebody was talking about rotation in their shoes. What yeah. should we do? Um, yeah. So rotation has got two sides to it. The one is, if you find the shoe that you're doing all your miles, if you're running marathons, you're doing long runs and things like that there, um, you can have two of the same pair of shoe. And the foam needs time to come back to recover. So if you wear the same shoe every day, it's compact, 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 compact. So it needs more time to recover. So if you have the same shoe and you leave the one out there for a day to recover, and carry, you'll get more life out of that shoe. So that, that's rotating the same pair of shoes. And, you know, just because we talk in rotation, sometimes we need to have our running shoe, training shoe, and then our pickups. So if you're going to go out and you're going to do some pickups, you want to get a lightweight shoe um, and or your racing shoe for race day.
4: I'm really excited about this question. I feel like I basically know the answer, but for our listeners, I really feel like it should be asked. Um, so say you did your race and you're very happy with it and you want to take a break let's say for a few weeks or a month, um, would you still use the same shoe? I heard that if you wait too long and you use them for so many miles and it hasn't hit that 300 to 500 mile range, if you don't use it in a while, it may not be good to use anymore. Is that true or false?
5: That, in my opinion, is false. Okay. But now, if you were to take a shoe and put it in a box because you really love this shoe, so you buy 10 pairs and you keep them in your closet, that shoe is going to deteriorate over time. If you take it out of your closet in two years' time, it's not as good. But leaving your shoes for a month, I don't believe that's true. And I can tell you this, if I had to take you down and show you my shoe closet, I got over 50 pairs in there and I rotate through all of them and they're all good. I can tell when a shoe is not doing its job as well. So I wouldn't worry about that.
1: Great. That's a question I have. Did, do shoes wear out on the shelf? But you
2: sure covered that. Thanks. Jody and Chalene, they have a question about zero drop shoes and will they strengthen or hurt a problem Achilles?
5: Okay. Uh, that is a great question. I'm glad it was asked. So sometimes... Let's talk about drop, first of all, what drop is. So we're talking about a heel-toe offset. And for those of you that run in like a Ghost or a Mizuno Wave Rider or something like that, that would be a 12-millimeter offset shoe, so a 12-millimeter drop, meaning your heel is 12 millimeters, I don't know what that is in inches, like less than half an inch higher than your toes, okay? Um, And then you get shoes that are 10, and if you go to the Sarkonies, they're 8s, Kinbaras are 4. And then the Ultra shoes mainly – zero drops and I think these are the shoes we're probably referring to or maybe a topo or two so if you go down more than four to five millimeters like straight from a 12 to a zero you are going to probably pick up some Achilles problems you're going to stretch it out it's going to hurt a lot so it's better to not go down you want to transition down if you want to go to a zero drop shoe you don't want to go straight there Okay. So that's a follow-up then. So if I have two
2: different brand shoes, let's say a Saucony and a uh, Ghost, like you said, where one's going to be a 12 and the Ghost and the Saucony's are, you said what? An eight if it's the rod
5: or the guard. Yeah. So would that be a problem rotating between those? Not at all. So I said transition to get used to. So I run in zero drops. I run in 12 millimeter drops and I run in everything in between. I don't have a problem because I've been doing it for so long. It's just, you don't want to go straight from a 12 to a zero, but certainly work your way down. You can even go and run a mile or two in your zeros and then come back, but don't just use them straight out of a 12 to a zero as your only shoe.
0: So this is actually a question I have personally. So I am an overpronator. I need, you know, that stability shoe, but you know, over the the course of my, you know, quote unquote running career, you know, I've dabbled in different brands or, you know, different styles, you know, within, you know, the same brand or whatever. So if there is a particular, you know, whether it's cushion or stability, do you recommend a different type of shoe based on the distance that you're running? And I'm thinking of this question on behalf of all of our dopey runners and all of our goofy runners out there that are going to be doing varying distances from back to back should we just stick with the same type of shoe and just keep you know rotating several pairs or you know should we look at like i know for me at one point i would use a uh, brooks adrenaline for one type of race but then i would use like a brooks glycerin for you know maybe a, a higher mileage race what's your recommendation when it comes to that
5: Also, again, great question. So every brand, and the way we actually have our shoe all set up, we have one line of shoes going straight down, and there could be 10 shoes there, and then we would say, this is the entry-level or everyday or even flagship shoe of each brand. So it could be like we're we're talking about the Wave Rider, the Ghost, the Cumulus, um, What am I missing, the Clifton. So we go down the Saucony ride. That's your everyday shoe, and that's something we would put anybody in to do their long distance runs go racing in if we're not trying to get prs at this particular point because this is an everyday shoe meant for miles so for you the adrenaline is really a ghost gts but they'll never rename it as the ghost gts like the glycerin has the glycerin gts the glycerin is a plush now i can't use the word plush for ghost it's a soft cushioned shoe the glycerin and the price tells you the story, is a plush shoe. Just like you would go from the Cumulus to the Nimbus, or you go from the Clifton to the Bondi. So you go from the Wave Rider to the Wave Sky. The Sky and all those shoes are the plush, softer, more cushioned shoes. And the price tag tells you that. So they're both everyday shoes. One's just going to give you a little bit more comfort than the other one. But both of those would be meant for distance. Now, if we were staying in the brooks range because you're talking the adrenaline and then you're talking the gts you wouldn't want to go run your miles in a launch gts because that's a lightweight shoe that's meant for picking up the pace and doing some shorter runs if you're going to try and pick up and go a little faster you know for your speed days um and then we can talk about their race shoes and then we would be looking at something else
1: Yeah, you mentioned it, and one of our listeners, and unfortunately, I don't have the name in front of me, asked when, if ever, they should invest in a race shoe. And then as a follow-up, they also asked if you had any
5: advice on socks. Okay. So, yes to the race shoe for the person that's actually trying to get a better time. Now, remember this. All we're doing when we're looking at uh, a race shoe, it's lighter. And any time you're going to run lighter, you're going to run faster. You know, there's a saying, they say, train heavy, race light. Um, So, and even in high school and college, you're going to put on your spikes. It's like they weigh next to nothing and and they give you extra grip. So yes to a race shoe if you're looking for time. Because as soon as you put on your race shoe, you're giving up the comfort and protection. So if you're going to race a marathon in a lightweight shoe, you're going to know you raced a marathon in a lightweight shoe. Um, Whereas if you did it in your everyday plush shoe, it's going to feel like it wasn't that bad. So yes, there's a place for that. And of course, socks, yes. Now, for example, and I'll mention four brands just so that I don't single out any, but the most popular ones are going to be Features, Balaga, Swiftwick, and say Smart Wall. And for those that like, the toe socks and gingy right So I'm a definitely a beleger guy because it's a little bit thicker than um, a features and it doesn't hug my foot as much. It's like features is just too snug but I know so many people put on a features oh I just love this little huggy you know it's like it depends so and it's also going to be a thinner sock although they do make thicker socks um, and while we're on socks, I want you to know that a sock can make a shoe feel at least a half a size smaller or a little bigger if you're putting on a thin sock. So make sure you're wearing the right sock if you're going to be racing. And one more thing about socks where they are important. um, For example, I could run in the same pair of socks every day for two weeks and they wouldn't even smell and I would never sweat in them. Whereas my son could go for a three-mile run and have to wring him out so you want to find socks that if you need something with to get rid of the smell, or if you get blisters a lot, you get blister-resistant socks. So socks do play an important part, yes.
3: So Amy asks, how long before an event should you have your race day shoes, and how many miles slash time on your feet before the race is recommended to break them in?
5: The right answer to that is never race in a brand new pair of shoes just because you're not supposed to. but. These days, the way they make shoes, you can slide them on and they're just as comfortable when you put them on your foot as they would be in a week's time. This is not back in the day when I was growing up and we put on leather shoes. I'd have to take a spoon home there and try and soften the back so I didn't get a blister on it. We don't have to break the shoes in that much anymore. Now, it is important to note that some shoes will have a nice cushioned heel collar, something like that. So depending on the shoe and the makeup, If you've got a very thin um, heel counter or a very sharp tongue, uh, I've got a pair of shoes that if I don't wear longer socks, they irritate my foot because it's too sharp. So just know what shoe you're racing in before you're racing them, but they don't really need to be broken in.
4: What I'm curious about is what are your thoughts about switching shoes during an ultra, since I know you've ran ultras before, um, and at what kind of distance – Race, should you bring an extra pair of shoes to change
5: into now that is a great question and i can tell you this um i've done ultras in that and i've learned that i need a shoe that's a half a size bigger than what i start with that i'm going to change into halfway through and one thing that's going to happen first is i'm changing my socks okay whether they're wet or not i'm putting on a brand new pair of Thicker socks, and I'm putting on a pair of shoes that are half a size bigger for to t- to help with the swelling.
4: I'm glad I do the right thing. I wasn't sure if that was a thing or not because I was like, I feel like whenever I get ultra shoes, I'm like, well, I guess I should go from a seven to a seven and a half because I just know it's going to swell.
5: <laughs> oh yeah, you do. You do well, the right
4: What kind of distance would you change shoes in? Would you recommend it for like a fifty miler a hundred k, hundred miler? When would you start thinking about?
5: doing that. I know that the races I've done it was a lot of downhills and that and I could actually really st- I could start to feel my toes touching. Your feet lengthen as well because it's not just swell but your 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 arch collapses and your foot actually lengthens too over the course of a race. So for me I would know when it was going to happen it was probably I don't know mile 30 32 or something like that where I know I changed um, But my brother and we had our shoes. They were in the car. They were ready. We knew we were going to change our shoes. It wasn't, uh, you know, it's you you plan for that.
3: That's so interesting. I never really thought that you thought about that. Can you explain the signs of why you should change shoes? I'm always curious
4: with more in depth, like think about that.
5: Remember, we spoke about how your shoes compress over time. Now. I've never run in a Bondi, which is your maximum stack height or meaning the amount of cushion. And probably if I'd had a Bondi in the days, if they'd even made them, maybe I wouldn't have. Um, I don't know. But you start to feel the pavement. And when I'm running, it's really hot and I'm all on asphalt. So I know that I'm feeling the ground through the shoe. It's compact. It just feels like it needs to come off my foot. Um, And when you put on that new shoe, it literally feels like a brand new pillow going on. And for the next four, five, six miles, you you know you're wearing a new pair of shoes. It, it's, it's incredible. You just got to do it. It's
3: like putting on new feet.
5: It, absolutely it is. Yeah. I you said your
2: foot changes. So how often should you get fitted? Because, you know, I'm going to come in, oh, you're uh, a size ten and a half neutral. Go, you know, like, how often should I get fitted? Because, like, cause
5: I, who knows? I might change. My, my foot might get fatter. Or... Every single time you go into a store to put on a shoe, you got to get fitted. It's that simple. And here's the reason why a manufacturer, for, I'll use the numbers. I love the numbers. So I had the 23 on my feet. It's got a nice, wide, high toe box area with plenty of room. And then out comes the 24, and I can't stand it because they changed it. So that shoe doesn't fit me in the same size as the previous model did and every shoe is changing every time we had our brooks rep in our store i think it was yesterday morning and we know what's coming out which i'm not allowed to mention but I, what i can mention is every shoe's changed all right so if you really love the shoe you're wearing right now it's going to be different it's that simple now, Some of the changes are really good, so please don't be upset. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's the
1: evolution of shoes, really. I mean,
5: it, it is, but um, and I've even tried on the same shoe in two different colorways and they fit differently. Um, and remember that even the different colorways are made in different factories, so. Although the tooling is supposed to be exact, it's 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 not.
2: So this goes back to your point before, don't go out and buy 100 pairs of shoes because you like them because they're not going to last.
5: They're not going to last in the closet, but I, I've oftentimes had three pairs of shoes because I know by the end of summer, I've been through two of them anyway. So it's okay to get extra pairs of shoes if you're doing the mileage, but don't say I'm keeping this pair for the next three years. It's That's not the way to do it.
1: All right, I'm going to pick up with two here from runners that I know fairly well, and they have some kind of specific questions. One is from Adam. Adam pronates significantly to where he needs to wear the Brooks Beast. He's wearing them for 15 years now. And he wants to know if the support requirements change when switching from a trail, running, and training shoes. And then I think, I was, I was with Adam this weekend, I think he's afraid that Brooks is going to stop making the beast, and he wants to know if there's a comparable trail shoe.
5: There, Okay, so first of all, when it comes to trail shoes, because of the unorthodox landing when you're running on trails up and down, it there are not many trail shoes made with any pronation control. They're 99% neutral. So you're not going to find that in your trail shoe. Um, as far as the beast is concerned, that is you get pronation control and then you pretty much get a shoe that's built to not allow your foot to make any movement whatsoever, which is called a motion control shoe. So that's what the beast is not the most comfortable shoe to run in. It's a pretty heavy shoe, but technology's moved on so much and I would recommend to Adam that he might want to try something. And I'll, I'll mention Hoka and bring out the Gaviota in this particular instance, because They've got this new technology, this J frame, where the shoe won't collapse in uh, on him. It's a lot lighter and a lot more cushioned. And this technology, I believe, is going to be a life changer for him. I think he should go in and try, and not worry about the beast going away. The beast is going away for a reason.
1: Okay, very good. And I'm going to answer. I'm going to ask another question from a specific runner, Rob. Rob's over in the UK. Rob's a good runner. Rob is a. Oh. Uh, 315, 320 marathoner, maybe even a little bit better than that. So he's he's a pretty quick runner. Rob wants to ask about carbon fiber shoes to see if he'll see gains. And then he's also curious how long they would last compared to regular shoes.
5: You will see gains dependent on your form. So first of all, the carbon fiber plated shoe isn't that shoe that everyone thinks gives you all the spring and the bounce and pops you up. That's not what happens. It really reduces your energy cost. So that just reduces your susceptibility to fatigue. That's really what a carbon fiber padded shoe does. Now, if we look at the shoe that Kipchoge ran and went under two hours, albeit not official, he ran in the Dragonfly. It's got the most, the softest, most responsive, Cushioning in the shoe in their Zoom X, but it's a very thin heel. For someone who runs and lands on their heel, this shoe is going to break down in no time at all, and it's going to give absolutely no benefit. You're not going to be faster in it. Now, I can go back and even mention I also do a bit of coaching. I've got this one lady who, in her first marathon, she ran three hours flat. Okay, she was trying to get under two. And then she said, well, I really want to get faster. I need to run in the dragonfly. And I told her she couldn't because she doesn't engage her hips. So meaning she used to bend. So she wasn't getting, she wasn't getting the benefit of the shoe. So she trained and trained and trained her, fixed her form just a little bit, went out and knocked off 14 minutes. So there's the answer. Yes. You're going to get the benefit of the shoe if, your form is correct. So the shoe is not for everybody, but if you can, it will work. Um, but will it last longer? No, they break down. In fact, when they first bought out the Vaporfly and the Nike, they had a lifespan of 50 to 100 miles. Oh, in wow. other words, one marathon. So wow. that has been extended now. And it's it's, it's you, you're paying about a, a buck a mile, okay, to run in those shoes. Yeah. Yeah. These guys, now you can get about 250 miles out of a pair of shoes um, if you're very efficient in running.
1: Yeah. And that, and that is about a buck a mile, isn't it? They're, they're about two. Yeah. Oh, my goodness.
3: I never thought of it that way. I don't like breaking down my running shoe into how many <laughs> no. dollars <a> mile it
5: costs. <laughs> <That's, laughs>
1: you're in the more, pitties, Don't worry about it. That's more <laughs>
2: expensive than gasoline. My goodness. Yes, it is. Wow. 3D foot scanning. What's your take
5: on that? Okay, so 3D foot scanning was really made for the insert market. So all 3D foot scanning really tells you is where your pressure points are on your feet while you're standing there so that that someone can tell you where you need support in your arch or something like that. So it's like saying, if you're showing me hot points under like all on the inside, then we need to give you a shoe with a high arch. It's just it's it's hard to find a shoe with a high arch. I think there's only one shoe I could call out that I could say has definitely got a high arch that I could tell somebody with a high arch that they would feel it. Um, so we know that someone with flat feet or a low arch, they're going to have the scan that just shows so much red there. Someone with a high arch is going to have less scan. What does that really tell us at the end of the day? that we have a high arch or we have a low arch. But to put the shoe on, try it on, make sure it fits properly and say, this is it, is the only way to find a shoe.
3: So basically someone with a high arch would just need to get inserts for their shoes is what you're saying?
5: Not necessarily. I have a high arch and I can tell you this, if I put an insert in my shoe, it's foreign to me and it touches my arch and I can't stand it. So doesn't mean you need it because you have a high arch. And like I said, my son who had a very low arch and he was overpronating and running, he didn't have to have anything. He he had a very successful career and he didn't have any injuries. Um, so no one has to get something just because they have a high arch or need arch support just because they have a low arch. It's not necessary.
3: Yeah. So Thomas asked um, shoes. Was- like questions about shoes for people with flat feet and what your recommendations would be. Um, And you're saying that it's not necessarily each shoe, or is there a one that works well for people with flat feet?
5: What we would say is people with flat feet are more susceptible to over pronation. So he would more likely land up in a shoe with pronation control. Um, However, we would ask the question when Thomas walked into the store, how long have you been running? If he's been running how many years and do you like the shoe you're running in? Have you had any injuries? And if no, we recommend that you carry on running in that type of shoe. Um, that So unless we can see push off is really wrong and we can show you why we want you to put another shoe in, because it's going to make you faster if you're not just pushing with your big toe, if we can get you into the upright position, you're going to be faster just because you're using more power to push. So, from that perspective, it's important. If somebody's just walking and they're overpronating, they've always overpronated, but they've always walked. So, why do we need to try and change that?
1: Good. On the flat feet thing, Allison also says she has flat feet. She says, I use the Brooks Glycerin GTS 19. I recently went to a running store, they said to try the New Balance 860. What are your thoughts on that, Greg?
5: Both shoes are meant to help pronation control. That's New Balance's equivalent to the adrenaline, actually. And remember, the glycerin was just more plush. So they're equivalent shoes in different brands, but with a totally different feel. So, for example, when I spoke about those guide rails, like being the bumpers on a bowling alley when we looked at the glycerin or the adrenaline, it actually operates as a neutral shoe and only helps pronation if you pronate. So it's a really, for Jack, a really great shoe for like doing long distancing because at the end when you do start fatiguing, it does help you. Now, coming back then to the 860, the 860 doesn't operate as a neutral shoe. It's always got that harder meal or inside posting. So after three to four miles or five miles, you know it's there. You can feel it in your arch. So it's a different shoe. It it does the same thing with a totally different feel.
1: Different different way. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think we've asked a lot of our listeners questions. Listeners, if you didn't hear your name, we combined some questions because we had several people asking the same thing. But I'm going to try and clean up a couple here. These are, in some cases, unique. I'll start with Kimberly. Kimberly has a plantar plate injury. And I think she's looking for a recommendation for shoes, which I turned into a general question: Are cushioned shoes better for folks with leg injuries?
5: Wow. Okay. Um, yes and no. So when we talk about plantar and our, our plantar fasciitis jumps to mind, right? So and we maybe hopefully haven't all had it because if you do, my thoughts are with you. Um, there we go. So you might come out of a um, a podiatrist shot and he's going to send you and say, go and get the power step this or go get the super green, which is the high arch. So this is not something that's soft. It's a structured insert. So just because you have an injury that feels like it's hurting underneath doesn't mean you need cushion. It means you need treatment. So the right treatment for that would be a structured hard insole to keep pressure on the plantar fascia, Throughout the day, um, and also say never go barefoot. When you get home, step straight into some recovery slides or flip flops with a high arch. Just never be barefoot. There we go. There. <laughs> so that's the, so that's talking about plantar. Now a lot of different injuries happen for different reasons, and most people walk and say, "I need new shoes. My knees are killing me." Where really the general question should be, "What did you do differently?" today or yesterday because most injuries are overuse and they don't need new or softer shoes they need a few days off so we need to know where our injuries come from when they happen why they happen what do we do differently before we start blaming shoes and then obviously soft is great for comfort and for doing long miles so if you're getting over something um knee surgery or whatever yeah you want a shoe with a lot of comfort if you're just on your feet all day Um, I would tell you right now, the most prescribed shoe, prescribed, is the Hoka Bondi. Nurses, doctors, people on their feet all day, factory workers, because they've got so much cushioning on them.
1: Okay, very good. All right, still cleaning up. Uh, Jenna. Jenna says she gets her shoes a half-size larger, but still gets blisters on long runs. I assume she's getting blisters out on the toes. She didn't specify because she's asking...
5: Does she need a larger toe box? Not necessarily. There might be too much room there. So now when blisters happen, and it could be, does she sweat? What socks is she wearing? Are they cotton? Because you never want to wear cotton socks. But a lot of times our socks can actually sort out our blister problems. And or just a little blister pad, um, like a little gel pad that you can put on where you are susceptible to blisters. Because some people just blister more than others so i feel it could be a number of things socks it could be too much room in there and so i would start by perhaps recommending a thicker sock um and maybe just putting a band-aid or something over the areas where the blisters are coming and see how that works
1: now just a question on my part do using the lace locks properly at the top of the shoe would that possibly help prevent blisters in the toes
5: I don't know how that would help. Um, Lace locks are to stop the laces from coming undone. You know, you can tighten any lace just as tight as your pull laces, um, just depending on how you pull them. But we don't recommend you tighten your shoes too tight. It can actually cause other problems um, if you do that. So we don't want to make our shoes too tight at the laces to try and prevent a problem. We rather want to get the right size shoe.
1: Gotcha. That makes perfect sense. And I've saved this one to last Carolyn asked this question, and this is this one makes me smile. I don't know. I don't know how much you remember about talking with me last time. I'll explain in a moment. Carolyn asked if there's an alternative to the Brooks Adrenaline. Apparently, she likes the shoe, but she doesn't like its aesthetics. She doesn't like the way it looks.
5: that probably maybe that's the guardrails or something. So, yeah, they are. I mean. I think the Glycerin looks pretty much the same, so we're going to have to move out of that to another brand. Um, I would recommend looking at something like in the A6 and the GT uh, 1000 or 2000 because they're not as aggressive as the Kayano, which is a really comfortable shoe. It's got some great foam in it, but it's a little bit more aggressive than the Adrenaline. So I would look at the GT 1000 or 2000. That's a really comfortable soft shoe and very different looking. Nice colors too.
1: Very good. I think Carolyn will like that answer. The reason I smile at that, Greg, is you may recall I wear a size 15. And if somebody says, here's a shoe, I get it. I can get any color I want as long as it's gray. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right.
3: Greg, it's super interesting talking to you. And I probably could pick your brain for hours. Well, thank um, you. Yeah, I, I run in the Hoka Clifton and I love it. Um, But I also want to do some trail running. So I was thinking of investing in a trail shoe. And I'm not sure, is there a way to, if you like the brand and you love the shoe and you've tried a bunch of shoes, is there a way to know in that brand what shoe to go to? Or should I just go in and get fitted again? No, 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 no.
5: You need to put the challenger on your foot because that is the Clifton. For Yay.
3: Okay, cool.
5: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and the stinson for example is the trail shoe of the bondi so if you want a lot of cushion then you're going to go for the stinson so no the challenge is your shoe
3: awesome oh thanks so much <laughs> well there
2: you
5: sure. go ali yeah there you
2: go that was great
3: ready to run in the woods now
2: i think we heard another question i think i saw i don't know if it was on our group but someone said uh when you retire a shoe like you okay i think my shoe i'm um, It's by 300, 400 miles. I retire it. I use it to a, as a, uh, everyday, like, go into the store shoe. Is there any drawback to doing that?
5: No, there really isn't. You know, as as long as when you're wearing a shoe, you, you don't get home and say, I know I've been out walking, you know, or my knees are just aching a little or something. If you're not feeling any aches, the shoe's just fine. But sometimes you're only going to feel that on your runs because it's the pounding. Um, remember, that's what happens, especially for somebody who's a heel striker, because the only time you're really going to get a full pound is when you got a straight leg. Uh, there's a jolt going through your body. So walking, you're never going to have that, so you're not going to get that sort of pounding. It, it's fine. It's fine to wear that shoe.
1: I, I have a progression. Running, walking, gardening, trash for my shoes.
5: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Oh, don't forget it! For the please, we recycle shoes. You recycle, can just I, you yeah. Go. I
1: need to look into that. I've, I really do. I've got a local running strong to call them and see if they take recycled shoes because I've got, oh, I sure got a they do. If they don't,
5: let me know. I'll send someone their way. They'll just put bins in the store and like everybody. I got a call today. Somebody else, we're already using someone, but someone else, please, can't you use us as well? But we we have a good relationship with our guys.
1: Okay, very good. Very good. I will do that. Greg, I've been looking forward to this for the last six weeks when we first met. I knew it was going to be fun. I knew the gang would enjoy talking with you, and they have. Uh, I, I hope that our listeners got their questions answered. I want to finish where we started, Greg. If I could emphasize one thing to my fellow runners, go get a professional fitting. Don't go to the big box and talk to the kid who they hired last week. Go to a professional. It's worth every daggum penny. It's worth every
5: minute of your time to do that. It is. And if I can add to that, Bob, um, if you don't have the time or the means to do that, You can actually go on our website. If you can video a short video of yourself and you can submit uh, a video and we'll do the gait analysis for you online and reply by email and tell you what shoes we recommend.
1: Thank you. I wanted to, and I appreciate you mentioning that because I wanted to bring that up too. Fidipides has that available. They have online consultation. It is really worth it, gang. I promise you, really worth it.
5: Greg, any last thoughts? No, but just uh, I just want to thank you for having me. I've had a blast. It's been great. Oh, it was
1: terrific. It was terrific. I knew it was going to be. Thank you so much. Hey, maybe we'll do it again uh, down the road. Anytime. Love it. Really, I told you we were going to enjoy talking with Greg, and we did. There's one thing. I've known Jeff and Jeff Galloway Productions, if you want to call it that, for, oh, golly, uh, seven or eight years now. Uh, got to meet and talk with a bunch of people in the organization. There's one consistent thread that runs throughout. Jeff Galloway hires nice people. And Chris Twiggs is a great example. And Greg Patterson's another great example. And the folks that you run into, Fidipides, and of course, Jeff himself. It's just a pleasure to work and uh, uh, just a, it's just a pleasure to talk and be around those folks. So, Greg, we appreciate it. Before we left, Greg told us that if you, listener, have a shoe problem, you can email him directly, and we're going to put his email address in the show notes, and he'll get back to you. I I said it twice during the interview. I'll throw it in here one more time. Can't overstate the value of of a professional shoe fitting. If you're fortunate like I am, to have an excellent running store in your area, by all means, use them. And Greg will tell you that too. But if you don't, Pheidippides is an asset for you. They can do a shoe consultation online. They'll ask you to send a video in so they can do a gait analysis for you. They'll do an in-depth uh, Zoom call or a one-on-one consultation with you. And you can order shoes directly from them. Really worthwhile. Really, really important especially with all the miles coming up for uh, the training this fall and winter. If we've been through our opening chat, we've been through our interview, it must be time for a race <laughs> report. Hey, Greg, remember you asked, Joanne, after you finished the Soldier Field 10K, where did you go for your deep dish pizza? I had an answer in my head. I didn't say it out loud. I should have. What do you think the answer she came up with was? Or did you read it? She posted it
0: uh, to me. Well, actually I, I want to hear your answer first. And, oh, no, no, I, oh, I know oh, the answer. You, you know yeah. the answer. Well, uh, to me, the correct answer is Luminati's Luminati's. Uh, that's right. Yeah. It's that's uh, because you know, butter crust is the way to go. Don't give me that cornmeal garbage <laughs> over at Giordano's. Uh, you know, at me if you want to, uh, but it, when it comes to Chicago Deep Dish, Luminati's is the correct and only answer.
1: That's what Joanne said, Luminati's. Well yeah. well done, Joanne. My introduction to Luminati's Pizza was in Dothan, Alabama. I was working a job there, and I had vendors throughout the country, and a vendor in Chicago at Christmas sent me two frozen mm-hmm. Luminati's yep. pizzas. You can still go online and order them. And they're not outrageous. They're two small pizzas. I haven't done it for a long time. They used to be about 50 bucks delivered. Uh, I know that sounds like a lot for two small pizzas, but when you consider the amount of money they have to spend in packaging and shipping to get it overnight. It's really not too bad. And they come out pretty good. So there you go, Joanne, the uh, Rise and Run gang is with you. You went to the right place. Way to go, Joanne. Of course, Joanne probably lives in Chicago. She should be telling us where to go and we shouldn't be telling her all right let's take a look at two ran last week uh over in the uk the in hatfield broad oak england our friend amy finished a 10k and it was in conjunction with it was the same weekend as the queen's jubilee celebration so there were a lot of great photos of just the the british colors and all that during the run and And Amy said it was a great thing. Did did any of of you guys watch any of that on TV here in the States? I watched a little bit of it. No, I I respect it. I really, we don't have traditions like that in the U.S. Not that we need a monarchy or anything like that. But even in our our military, we don't have the traditions that the British do. Uh, But I heard a silly comment by one of our announcers. This may be the last 70th Jubilee we see in our lifetime. Maybe. Are you planning to live to be 200? I mean, let's look at it. (laughs) The queen's 96, okay? Now, God bless her. She may be around for a while yet. That's fine. Long live the queen, right? Next in line is Charles. Charles is older than I am. I don't know how much, but he's older than I am. So if and when he becomes heir to the throne, he ain't going to be around for 70 years. Charles is 73, Bob. 73, okay. So yeah, he's going to be. After that is william william is about my son's age i think which is 40 he ain't going to make a 70 so yeah i think this might be the last in our lifetime that we see a 70th jubilee don't you think so
4: william was... is 40 years old
1: yeah i think so no he's, way he's mighty close he's he's right around that and i don't know who's in succession after that I did. i'm surprised i knew that much
2: he will be 40 in june June twenty yeah, first.
1: Okay. That's
4: insane. I remember when I was like younger, and I was like, "Oh my god, Prince William." That's all right, <laughs>
1: and I don't. I don't know where this guy is in line to the throne, but Paul McCartney. He's eighty <laughs> this week, I believe.
3: He's nah. playing in Boston tonight. Huh? He's playing uh, in Boston tonight.
1: Yeah, he's playing two shows in Boston—one tonight, one tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I, he does I think not I told look you. 80. Oh no, you look, i should look so good. <laughs> 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 I mean, yeah. I I saw him in Orlando, I think I told you guys that. It was great just being in the stadium with him. But anyway, we digress, guys. Back to the race report. Uh, Good report on that, Amy. See, look what you started. (laughs) Uh, I already talked about the leftover 5K in Safety Harbor. Dean was there. Judy was there. Jennifer was there. (coughs) Jennifer did PR. And then she went and ran five more miles just to make sure it wasn't a fluke. Good for you. Uh, Our friend Margaret. Our friend Margaret ran the Community Rainbow Run 4.9K in Orlando. First comment, just in general, Margaret's another, I'm going to call her a contender for the title of costume queen. Margaret goes all out into her costumes, does a great job. Um, but on a serious note, this, this race, this run was to commemorate not the right word. Uh, in in memory of those who lost their lives in the uh, Pulse nightclub massacre. Now, I've, I've been in a similar situation. I'll explain in a minute. We hear these stories, whether they're these horrible catastrophes like these mass murders or whether they're tornadoes or natural events that strike and a lot of people lose their lives. And I'm going to say generally we feel very bad about it. We go That's a horrible thing. We know it's a horrible thing. When it hits your community, it's entirely different. When it hits your community, everybody's involved at a different level. And if you haven't been there before, and sadly to say, I was there in Enterprise, Alabama, when a tornado killed nine high school students. I didn't know any of them. But just being so close to something like that, it hits you entirely differently. And I can tell from the post and and what she wrote that Margaret was close here. She, in fact, she mentioned one of her friends who survived the night, but went into the building several times and it's just an entirely different feeling. So it's, it's, uh, I just wanted to say that I understand that it's an important thing and I'm glad you got to participate in this. Also that run was featured on local TV here. It's the second time an Orlando run that Margaret's been in has been featured, featured over here in Tampa And I haven't seen you yet, Margaret. So look for the TV cameras next time. Okay. Moving along to the Honor and Duty 5K. Our buddy Joe ran that one in Fort Smith. Nice looking shirt for that one, Joe. Good picture. Thank you very much. I've added this one just because I know it on a personal level. The Revels Rockies Marathon in Denver. Chris Twiggs finished in time to qualify for the Boston Marathon. He qualified with about three minutes to spare. If you're familiar with Boston qualifiers, they publish times. And then later on, they sometimes make cuts that are below the qualifying time. But three minutes is usually enough to make it. Great run. Chris had some interesting comments. He was talking this morning in customized training. This is primarily a downhill run. In fact, it's almost exclusively a downhill run. And I never thought about this. What Chris said was, yeah, you do the downhills. And you get into a cadence and a pace for the downhills. And then when the road even just levels off, doesn't even have to go up, when the road levels off, you feel like you're expending a whole lot more energy. I never thought about that. So downhill runs, yeah, they have their advantages, but they're probably not as easy as we tend to think they are. Oh, by the way, for those of you who wonder if the Galloway method works, Chris ran a BQ with five-minute-slash-30-second intervals. So every five minutes, he stopped and walked 30 seconds and still finished in, I think, three hours, 20 minutes. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but I know it was, it was good enough to qualify in his age group. In Iowa, the dam to DSM half, which goes from the Sailorville Dam to Des Moines, Iowa. The S's are silent. Tommy finished her first half which of course was a PR and sub two though. That's a darn good time. For that's awesome. Half. Yeah. Um, got some great photos. Uh, Chris was also there and said they had perfect weather. So good job in the dam to DSM half in Iowa, uh, the rock and roll half marathon, San Diego, California. Ruth was out there. Ruth sent some good pictures. Ruth is still injured. Wasn't able to participate. She said she had a good time cheering on the other runners. Uh, Had fun, sent some good photos. Bruce was there. Bruce sent some photos of the expo and of race day. He said the course was challenging and hilly. I did not realize that San Diego is the home of the original rock and roll half. It all started out there. In Doylestown, Pennsylvania, not far from Greg, the Dairy Air 13.1. I must carefully say the two words, Dairy Air 13.1. Brianna, Brianna PR'd that bad boy. A challenging hilly course in 2.23, another excellent time. That's a five-minute PR for Brianna. She also finished third in her age group. Well done, Brianna. Nice photos there. I appreciate the photos from the runs, gang. You know who I didn't hear from, Allie? I did not hear from the Bank Newport 10-milers.
3: Oh, well, I did. They're my run Disney crew.
1: I know they are, but I didn't hear from who was there. Casey was there. Heidi was there. Who else was there? I've got it. I need to.
3: Jen. uh, Yeah. And 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 Smashley. Smashley. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So they all had a hard fought race. There was definitely some chafing happening. There was some aggravated injuries. There was a panic attack. There was Uh a migraine. Um, Everybody fought for that medal. But they all finished. Good and, for them. You know those hard-fought races. Sometimes that medal just feels like one of the most important medals you've ever gotten, yeah. even if it's not your best time.
1: Is that a hilly area, Newport? I mean, I'm yes. Not real yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah. And so Heidi's from Tampa, Florida. So I don't know if uh-huh. she was prepared for all of those hills. I do. But, she was not. <laughs> but I know that they all went out and they had brunch afterwards, and all they could say is even even after all the hardship, all they could say was they just had an amazing time with amazing friends. So.
1: Good job. what we do. When you get a small group together, that's really cool. I appreciate that. Very nice. Um, Another amazing event, June 4th and 5th, the 24-hour Eagle Up Ultra, Canal Fulton, Ohio. Our buddy Chad, you you may remember Chad from a couple of episodes ago talking about the Across the Years running event where he ran uh, 400 miles in 10 days. That's right. 400 miles, people. Sad well this time he did a 50 miler and a 50k in less than 24 hours sent some great photos looks like he smashed his previous pr and i say looks like because he is waiting for official times but he thinks he took almost three hours off of his finishing time in 2021 and i he was also on, uh, customized this morning. He said that for mile 81, his pace for mile 81, eight minutes and 30 seconds. He's not even sure how that happened <laughs> for mile. If I do it, well, I can't do it now, but not too long ago, if I did a magic mile and I was eight thirty, I might go, eh, it's a little slow, but okay for a mile. This was mile 81, my friends.
0: Yeah. Ha- having met Chad and how tall he is, you know, seeing him pump out that kind of mile. I'm oh, just I like, I, I, I was, I was just like, just picturing it in my brain as, as he's sharing that story today. And yeah. that's just downright incredible. So once again, Chad, yeah. great job. Congratulations. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I've never met Chad uh, in person. I look forward to that someday, but I've, I've talked to him quite a bit. Another one of those guys I feel like I know. Well, what the heck? I do know him. Great job, Chad. Let's take a look at next week. Uh, kind of a smaller number next week, at least those who have told us they're running. All of these, no, okay. The first three are on Saturday in Ithaca, New York, the gorgeous Ithaca Half Marathon. I looked that up. It looks Beautiful. It looks like a trail run. Jody is doing this one. I am looking forward to pictures from this one. Natalie is doing the Cornfield Cornfield 10K. No, I did not stutter. It is the Cornfield Cornfield 10K Omaha, Nebraska. The we've got some crazy names this week. The Summer Camp 5K, which is part of the Summer Morning Running Series, except Summer camp is spelled S-U-M-M-E-R, and summer morning is spelled S-O-M-M-E-R. I couldn't figure out why. (laughs) I looked on the website. I have no idea why that is. But our buddy over in Central Florida, we just talked about her, Margaret, is doing that one. It looks like it's a series. And up in Montreal, Quebec. Okay. And finally, on Sunday, up in Montreal, Quebec, Susan is doing the... Run for Women 5K with her daughter, who is a wheelchair athlete. So I've seen pictures of Susan and her daughter before. They go to several events, and I'm looking forward to seeing more. We love hearing about your successes and love seeing the photos of the medals and of the races. We really enjoy it. Once again, if you want to be part of the race report, you can look in any of our podcast podcasts pages. There is a file linked at the top. You can drop your name into it or just put your name in the comments and I will add you in. All right, gang, that completes episode 35 of the Rise and Run podcast. We hope you enjoyed this one as much as we enjoyed recording it for you. Sure was fun talking with Greg. And uh, we may have him back again one of these days to talk more about shoes. I think he had a good time here with us also. I will remind you that this Thursday, which is the night that this podcast drops, we will be on our biweekly Zoom call, 8 p.m. Eastern. The information will be posted in our Facebook groups. Okay, for the rest of the Rise and Run crew, that's going to do it for this week. Till we meet again. Happy
0: running. The Rise and Run podcast discusses general information about Run Disney and is in no way affiliated with Run Disney or the Walt Disney Company. Any information or advice discussed on this podcast should not be considered medical advice and should always consult with your healthcare provider or event organizer.